Welcome to the Live Your Bloom podcast, where I interview people involved in ongoing journeys to blooming, sometimes continued, sometimes new, but always stepping out of their comfort zone with energy and purpose to get the most out of life. Today's guest, Harriet Reynolds, is an award-winning singer, songwriter, and guitarist who knows her way around the music industry. She has performed on stages from coast to coast for over two decades and continues to draw a crowd of faithful fans every time she picks up her guitar and walks on stage. Harriet has a weekly live stream show on her Facebook profile called Harriet's Happy Hour. I have been there many times. She has amassed hundreds of regular viewers with more than 80 performances under her belt on that platform and continues to appear every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central. Harriet's music is carefully crafted to entertain and elicit emotion with her compelling melodies, rhythms, and timely, meaningful lyrics. Harriet just released her fourth original album, Ready for a Change, and I am thrilled to have her as my guest. Welcome, Harriet. Oh, thank you for having me, Charmin. This is such a treat. It is. It's my honor. And before we even start, we are listening to a song from your new CD, new album, called New Beginnings. Let's open all the doors and windows. Let's say goodbye to all that's past. Let the old year out and let the new one in. Let's raise a glass to new beginnings. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, I wrote this. A fan had sent me a little, I guess, background on Irish folklore, which I'd never heard of because I've never been there. But every midnight on New Year's Eve, they would open the doors and windows and let the old out and uh, sweep in the new. And I thought, you know, that would be a wonderful song. And it kind of goes along with a lot of things going on in my life. So that's what came to me. Raise a glass to new beginnings is sort of yes. the idea. Yes, I know. I've heard it on your show and I've raised a glass to new beginnings. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what a happy hour is, you know. Absolutely. I, I've always respected that you really key into song concepts and song titles I think that's why your lyrics are always significant is because when something resonates with you, you really stop and you're like, hmm, that sounds like a song. And you're much more industrious than me. Probably <laughs> next time I talk to you, you got the song going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very generous of you. The outer doesn't always match the inner practices. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Or sometimes you, as a songwriter, I'm sure you know this, you sort of squirrel the idea away or you journal it or you put oh, it yeah. in a vault somewhere and then all of a mm. sudden it rises again. Yeah. I, I write down lines like that. Well, you know, that's where my whole bloom idea came from something my yeah. mother said 25 years ago, but other people too, you know, when they say something, you just get this little buzz and like, hmm. That's a song. That's a clever line for a song. I'm going to write that down. I literally throw it in a box and yeah. I'll come back to it. And I often do. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I have a question about how this song, how this album was recorded. Well, that's a great question. It's so different from my other three. My first one I made in Houston, it was kind of one of those, you know, I have enough songs to make an album. So there was no concept or anything. It's like I made it. My second and third, I made in Nashville with a great producer, but she retired, moved back to Texas, and all the studios were closed when I was ready to start recording because of the pandemic. So I found this producer who was able to work with me remotely, and it was a little daunting at first because I really had never done that sort of work. I mean, I'd done a little bit, but not studio quality work. So I said, you know, tell me what to buy. So she'd tell me what to buy. I got it out of the boxes. I had a few glitches getting started, but basically I recorded all the vocals and the guitar tracks in my home, not in any kind of really even soundproof studio, sent her those. And then she added all the other instrumental tracks. We wow. did have an outdoor or outsource rather producer, a director or mixer and engineer. And what was her name? Her name is Katie Marie. She's actually from Devon, England, but has been in, Austin, I think about eight or nine years, and she's multi-instrumentalist, recorder, producer, engineer, and songwriter. Leaps of faith, right? Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. And you I know- on Both of our parts because she'd never met me either. And I love that also because you do get an instinct later on in life that's a bit stronger than it was, in, at least for me in the beginning. I get an instinct of the people I can work with, the people I want to work with. Yes, it has something to do with how talented they are, but it has a lot to do with how I can get along with them and how much I respect them, mutual respect. You know, that's very important, too. Yeah, I totally agree. I think over the years, becoming more seasoned and more mature and all of the different things that we've done, the different hats we've worn, I've learned not to waste any time with other players or writers or, in this case, producers that I really don't jive with. A lot of things in my earlier in my career, even in Nashville, the players were great, but sometimes I felt like, if you know, my songs turned into this runaway train that I'd better jump on. It's hard to do that. It's hard to do that, but, you know, you learn. That takes us to uh, a really... One of my favorite songs called Reclaim Her Time. Maybe we can give a little listen and uh, come back in and tell us how you wrote this song, where this idea came from. They say it's never too late To be who you were meant to be But she's not sure just who that is She won't turn back She's come too far to let go of the line She is here to reclaim her time You know, this one has a little bit of a Celtic feel as well in the way that we did the production. And I was actually, it was when I was writing this album, it was sort of an archetypal thing that was rising up. I used to teach an archetypes in literature class in my English teacher days, my former life. And I just got this vision of this woman that was really trying to reclaim these parts of herself and bring them together. And I actually used, you know, the Congresswoman Maxine Waters line, reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah all these men <laughs> were speaking over her. So I thought it was kind of a, for me, it didn't have to 
show to the audience, but it was sort of a play on those words for me, that I was really trying to reclaim my time, reclaim my voice, that sort of thing, through pulling together these disparate parts. And that song, I love that song, and I told you this, is because it's right in line with my Bloom philosophy, where in my group of people, I just say I am dedicated to helping people find renewed purpose and passion. Lots of people put that on the shelf but I, I really believe once they get into it and once they start exploring it, they're a different person, just much more fulfilled. And all of that just just touches everybody that they meet in a positive way, which we need that right now. I know. And that's why whenever I see you on my show, I see your name pop up. I like to talk about what you're doing and get people to get involved if they don't know your work, because I was really struck by the fact that even much younger people than we are saying, I miss my chance. I've lost my opportunity. Another thing they will say, and I recognize this so strongly when I'm thinking of one person in particular, I can't do that until I drop 20 pounds. I can't drop 20 pounds until I have time to shop for food. I can't make time to shop for and on and on and on. And I think I used to be like that. I used to have everything else be the reason why I wasn't doing that thing. And even though I'm not always as dedicated and on top of it as I like, I'm just so aware of when I make those excuses that just don't serve me. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think we also need to do things to make it easier for ourselves. You know, I I once heard at the school where I taught a Harvard professor who taught a course on happiness. And the course was just oversubscribed and audited by thousands of people. And one of the things he said was, you know, he wanted to get back into running, but he would say, well, I need to do this and do that. And he said he started with a simple step of putting his running clothes and his shoes by his bed. Yeah. You know, and then somebody else said, I wanted to learn to play guitar. I wanted to pick it back up again. Well, take the guitar out of the case and put it in your room where you see it. So that's been one of the things that's been good for me when I get into those, I can't do this before I do that. Mm. Yeah. And I'm a big believer of a powerful 20 minutes that just gets, everybody Uh can put 10, 20 minutes into a task or a hobby or a joy. Of course, it very often turns into be a half hour, an hour. But if you just commit, I'm going to do this three, four days a week for 20 minutes, at least you're starting to form a new habit that has to do with you. It's all about you, you know, just feeding your soul, you know. Yeah, and put it in your calendar, just like you would do your dentist appointment or you know, going to see your CPA or picking up your child at school or whatever it is, just put it in your calendar and You wouldn't let yourself down any more than you would let a friend down that you were supposed to meet for coffee, right? Right, yeah. So these songs were written, were they a collection, how they were written? Or did you have the theme going and then decide they worked together well for the next CD? You know, that's a great question. It was not thematically done, but at the time that I did it, which was more or less from January through, I would say, March, when the pandemic actually hit, I was planning to write and not go out and play. I was writing mm-hmm. for an album, but as it turned out under the circumstances, they all started kind of weaving together for me. I've never intentionally decided I'm going to write a song about whatever it is. You know, in Texas, I'm going to write a song about trucks or yeah. an album about trucks. But it did sort of have a theme to me. It sort of presented, it rose up. 
sort of like those disparate parts in the ocean that the girl's gathering with a net. And it thought, yeah. you know, I'm really ready for this latest change in my life. Yeah, you sound it. Yeah. And that takes us to another song Do I love. Let's if we can give a little listen to What's Up With That. Alone. This song just makes me smile. Now you come home and you say What have you done for me today? What's up with that? Oh, what's up with that? You know, this was so much fun to write, and it was during that time I was writing everything. And I think this one started with a progression. I'd already dropped the D on my guitar to be in another song, and I had the cape I wanted, and I thought, well, you know, I don't know, it just sort of came to me. And then I started thinking about all the ways that I as a woman feel like over time, my voice has been squelched a little bit, or that anyone who's in a situation feeling less than powerfully speaking. So I kind of thought of three different scenarios. You know, the one is the housewife who's stuck at home, and the next one is the, you know, the idea of, because I remember hearing many, oh, you're too young, just wait. Now, well, you're a little old for that. So you never can hit the right sweet spot when you're waiting for external permission. I suppose yeah. you should say. And then the third one was really about work because I used to often find myself in team meetings, department meetings at where I taught with a lot of men. And I could say one thing and they wouldn't say anything. And the next guy would say the same thing I said. And then the person leading the meeting would say, well, that's a fabulous idea, John. <laughs> where did I hear it before? Uh, I'm sure your listeners can relate. But the fun thing for me about this song, just doing it, is that Katie Marie, she did all the background vocals. Yeah. And I heard the first rough mix of it. And then, you know, she would send me a rough mix and I would talk to her. We'd go back and forth with comments and she'd tweak here and there. Mm -hmm. And I heard that chorus and I just started giggling with delight. I said, that is the coolest chorus. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I just really can't wait for people to hear that. So I was pretty tickled. I thought it had just the right musical nuance that fit with the song. You're so lucky that you were so pleased and you clicked with your producer. She sounds very talented and totally in sync, you know. Very of course, much. I heard a lot of these songs on your regular Tuesday night, the show that you do, and you're pretty much there every week. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I admire your discipline. You enjoy it. I see that. But I like that's the first time I heard this song when I smiled. So how have you adapted to that medium for performance? Well, it's been interesting. I had a lot of help, a little technical help and a lot of encouragement and support from people in some networking groups that we all formed during the pandemic. And they were mm -hmm. like, you know, you can do this, you can do that. And I didn't intend for it to be more than a few weeks. I mean, many of us thought we'd be you know, not performing for five or six weeks, and that'd be the end of that. So I started it, and then I sort of amassed this audience, and then they started saying, oh, you have to keep doing this. And I am glad that I've done it, because when I start back in more live shows and out promoting this album, I really wouldn't have lost a lot of chops, you know, from yeah. having to play and, and, yeah. and come up with a show every week, because I try to make it more of a show and not just, well, what am I going to play tonight? And you also do other people's material in your own way. 
Yes, I do. Speaking of, Charmin. Yes. You said that you felt that perhaps I could do your shaken, not stirred. Yeah, I think you could do a very good job with that. Yeah, I could hear you on the guitar. That's because uh, when I do it, I wouldn't do that as a jazz tune. Oh, really? I I wouldn't. uh, To me, it's an R&B kind of, you know, as much as I like playing it on piano, I I hear it on guitar, really. Send me a demo, a rough copy or whatever, yeah. because I'd love to do it in your lyrics because, boy, your stuff is great. I oh, love you. your show when you did it, but you're so busy with so many other things. You I'll send it to you. I have a lead sheet. I would love it if you would do it. Yeah, that Perfect. would be an honor. Yeah, because I'm thinking about going back in my summer season. One of the shows I'd like to do is take all of those women that I featured in my, I think it was my spring or my or could have been my winter. I think it might was my winter series. I can't remember now. They all mm. run together. But each week I featured one woman, a few known, but mostly unknown independent artists that I thought that everybody should hear. So I would love to do yours. That would be Oh, awesome. that would be great. All right, we'll talk about that. I'll commit. Okay. So now, do you have any live concerts coming? Because I know you've done them. Anything coming up? Any live concerts? I do. I'm going to be doing one here. I'm I'm up in Montana as we speak. I'm doing one August 7th at this beautiful amphitheater. It's a collection of of artists from the area. It's a big benefit for the music school here. They really have an amazing music school for a small town. Hmm. And it's on a beautiful, big amphitheater stage with this beautiful lake behind it with people kayaking in the mountains behind it. And wow, a really nice, nice sound system. Yeah. I'll be working with the house band there. There's a great keyboard player that leads the band. He's really, really good, a good singer-songwriter himself. I'm doing that one. I've got a big show coming up in October in Houston, Texas. There's going to be a big house concert, but it's a long-term fan who's wanted to do this a long, long time. She runs a, a bank, a regional bank, and uh, she's really been waiting to do that. And then I'm going to work on I'm in the process of working on filling in some dates when I get back to Texas in September yeah. and I think I'm probably not going to leave the state until the spring as you know you can kind of tour for quite a while on a new album and uh, you know I think that, that I'll do this and then perhaps leave the state and do some work in the spring in other parts mm-hmm. of the country You know, also, Harriet, your music is timeless, really, as I listen to the song Concepts, because I have two or three of your CDs. They're timeless songs. They are going to slip in and out of being totally appropriate to what's going on, which is great for you. Kind of sad that things are not evolving better than they are. (laughs) For those of us who lived through the 60s and 70s and were involved with protest movements back then, we see the difference. There's a big difference between using your voice to effect change and now what's going on now. And I don't want to get political right now, but I just do see such a difference. Maybe a clearer sense of right and wrong. I don't know. But you do write a lot about it. You know, I haven't always done that in my career. I used to write a lot more <clears throat> love songs or more aptly unrequited <laughs> love songs yeah. and a lot more personal things. I mean, these are personal too. You know, what is it Emerson says about the personal and the particular is really the universal. And yeah, I yeah. think I've come to see that when I'm writing about these things, it's not just that about what's going on in the world. I don't feel that that I'm just the only person feeling them. I, I talk to so many other people, especially mm. other musicians and artists and people out there in the world that are thinking these same things. And they certainly aren't all answers. 
In fact, I'm working on a brand new one now that's sort of a blues song that kind of came out of nowhere that's really more like a lament. There's not going to be an answer, but it's about, especially having taught school before, thinking about all these shootings and things. And again, not to get political, but, you know, I think I'm just going to call it how long. It's Mm. like, how long are we going to let this keep going on? So Mm. anyway, I'm not really looking at the zeitgeist, but hopefully I'm in touch with my own feelings enough and the feelings of others that they just end up coming out in these songs. So I do seem to be moving a little bit more in the social justice realm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the arts, you know, the arts have always reflected what's going on socially, politically, and they do now as well. Absolutely. Many of our listeners are also reviving or nurturing dream seeds that they've buried for too long and they really believe it's too late. And of course, I don't. (laughs) Unless you're saying you want to bring a brain surgeon, that could be a problem, (laughs) you know, or a rockette. That could be a problem, but you can still dance, you know. But in any artistic endeavor, we often experience insecurities and that old nemesis, the inner critic, just sitting on our shoulder, questioning the value and quality of what we're doing. It's very, very easy to get sidetracked Days turn into weeks, turn into months, turn into years. And I hear so many stories of people saying, I wanted to write this book for 20 years and finally we're doing it. You know, do I know where it's going to go? No, I don't. I can't guarantee a Pulitzer Prize. I can't guarantee an agent, but I can say you will feel so good for having done it. You know, got any advice for them? Wow, I should be the poster child for starting and restarting and restarting and reinventing. Yeah, Yeah, because I always call teaching my accidental career, although I I loved what I did in teaching English and a lot of writing and creativity. But, you know, I always went with what worked, you know, economically and other ways. And I found the last few years of teaching, uh, I had more and more responsibilities and I couldn't just so easily do gigs on the side or do Mm. recording in the summer and that sort of thing. So I am living proof that having retired from one career, you can either really go to a new one that you've always dreamed of or that you can revive one that's Mm -hmm. been a little bit dormant because that's been my experience. So now when people ask, if they ask if I'm retired, I'm like, well, I'm retired from one gig, but I'm reviving my music career. And I say that I'm, you know, in music full time. I'm not the way that I used to be when I was singing, you know, six nights a week in clubs, but I'm finding myself able to do that. And again, I don't think you have to be retired or independently wealthy or self-employed to be able to do it. I don't think you have to be that kind of entrepreneur, but I do think people's dreams do keep bubbling up and they're going to be there whether you nurture them or not. And they're going to come tapping you on the shoulder and then maybe the next time they're going to be hitting you over the head. And that's why we're listening to, and we're going to go out with this song, True North, because it's so appropriate to follow your true north, right? Right. Right. Well, listen, all of your information is going to be on the page. I invite people to go to your website, subscribe to your newsletter, check out your Facebook, I promise you that will be an enjoyable happy hour on a Tuesday night, mountain time, five o'clock. For me, it's six o'clock. So it's really quite perfect. I have my dinner and then I have my little cocktail after that. And of course, there'll be information on the site about where they can 
listen to more of your music and enjoy it and make a good investment and buy it. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Oh, I also want to say that there's a new thing they're doing now where we used to have the album and we used to have liner notes and we used to read all the lyrics. And that was a big part of buying an album, the big joyful part. And now a lot of people do little booklets that are really quite lovely. And you did one. I bought that one a couple of weeks ago. It's just beautiful. You have your lyrics, the comments about each song, gorgeous pictures. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad that you like it. I'm so glad you reminded me of yeah, that. I've never done one before. And uh, several people have always said, well, you should publish your lyrics in some way. Mm. And I just happened to ask my designer of the CD if he'd ever done those. And he said he did them for a lot of other musicians. And it was his term. Well, Harriet, this is a lyric companion book. And I said, well, that sounds fabulous. Yeah. And what is his name? His name is Cheryl Kroger. He's originally South African, but he has Cheryl Kroger CK Designs, I believe is his company. He nice. also hosts, we didn't talk about this earlier, but he also hosts an artist once a month. And he had a regular show called Bakery Lofts Concerts in Jersey City that I was lucky enough to play in 2019 hmm. when I was touring on my last album. Hmm. And he's going to try to revive it in Long Beach. So he's asked me to play. And if you ever get out that way, you would be a fabulous guest as well. I would love it. You know, I did so much carrying around of equipment that, I mean, I can't even tell you. I always say, listen, I was a keyboard player in the 80s. Say no more. I had the (laughs) PV amp with the Black Widow speaker and stacked keyboards. And those days are gone. You know, I have my keyboard and small, small Bose system, and I don't even like bringing that. So, you know. Oh, boy, I uh, hear you. Yeah, yeah. it's really nice. Just before I played that gig, because these guys have a lot of people coming in from Nashville, they had just bought a sound system. So they have a sound system. Very nice. I have a bigger one and a smaller one. And I'm with you. It's like, what is that joke about? Musicians are the only people that have thousands of dollars worth of equipment and spend all this money on gas and whatever to pay a $50 gig. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. We could talk about those days. Oh, we could. But listen, thank you so much for coming. We've been talking about doing this for a while. I just think you're just a wonderful guest, inspirational. And besides all that, it's a great CD, great music. You will definitely enjoy it. It's, It's a work of art. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And that's a great compliment coming from another great musician. Thank you, Harriet. Dance away the loss that holds.